Good morning. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Monica Braz. Monica is the Director of Marketing and Strategic Initiatives with BBBE Serving Western Ontario. The pandemic has been a burden on our social infrastructure, and many needs have surfaced as a result. Charitable organizations and donations can have a great impact at this time. So later this morning, we'll look at a recent BBB report on charity impact. And home has become the center of the battle against the virus. And as we spend more time in our castle, we see some of its needs. If you've decided to move or to renovate, a thorough home inspection might be in the cards. And this morning, we'll see what it might reveal. Homeowners are planning renovations inside, outside, and all around the yard. We're joined now by Mike Hodgson, owner of Old Castle Renovations, to talk about how to get that change underway. Good morning, Mike, and welcome to Ask BBB. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. So the name of your company, Old Castle Renovations, reflects what your website describes as your love for working on century homes. How did that love develop, Mike? Yeah, so almost 18 years ago, uh, when I started this company, um, just for luck, I guess, we really started getting calls for older homes uh, down in the old south area, old north area. And as it developed, I decided to call the company Old Castle Renovations. Uh, as Jim mentioned, uh, your home is your castle. And most of our work at that time was in older homes. So that's how the name came about. So if we're considering a renovation, can we expect a, a payback in the increased value of our properties, Mike? Yeah, that depends. There's certain areas in the home that uh, will serve as a better return, uh, namely kitchens and bathrooms. Uh, those tip areas typically will return a better uh, return on, on whatever money you put into that area. So when you are helping a homeowner with a renovation of a kitchen, a bathroom, or a basement, where do you start? Like, how do you help them um, determine first steps in that process? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, as a business owner, I mean, the first thing that we start to look at is with the homeowners, what kind of budget do you have for those particular rooms? Uh, some people are educated and they have a, a good sense as to what those rooms may cost, but others uh, really have no idea. So kind of establishing a, a rough idea as, as to you know the size of the room and their potential finishes, we try to work out some sort of uh, budget area. After that, we go into more of the design uh, layout, uh, kind of more of the fun stuff, I would say. Um, and, and the homeowner, if the budget fits their plans, then uh, that's the time when we start to get pretty excited about it. There's a trend now to a more open concept uh, living. Is it possible to create that open space in older homes? And, and what are some of the, the issues then that you run into when you try to do that? Yeah, so that, that's, uh, you know, older homes, just the way we used to live 100 years ago, you know, I, I would say that the, the houses were much more compartmentalized uh, than they are now. Families now seem to want to all congregate in, in one big area, you know, whether that's watching TV or, or entertaining. Um, so the older homes can be opened up, as we call it. Um, certainly structure it can be difficult because a lot of the walls inside an older home are load-bearing. Uh, as compared to now, newer homes, typically you'd have a center wall running down the, the home and that would carry most of the load. So uh, absolutely, it's being done. And um, there's a, a huge trend to take an older century home and turn it into a, a real modern living space uh, and still keeping some of those older you know, baseboards and things like that to give it uh, some character. 
Yeah, so since you are working with older homes, um, you do see a lot of that beautiful decor and layout that's associated with different eras and decades. Are there some things that are ageless or, you know, does everything seem to have its day and then people are like, I'm no longer interested in this? How do you like, you know, how do you keep some of those um, those beautiful things from the past? Yeah, we find most homeowners that are in a century home, um, they are in a century home because they love century homes. I personally get disappointed when I, I walk into a particular home and th that client wants to remove some of the old casing and baseboards or some of the old woodwork. Um, you know, I, I try to talk them out of it at that point. But for the most part, you know, homeowners in a century home, that's what they're proud of. That's what they love. Um, so those things do remain over the decades, the, the baseboards, the casings, some of the stained glass, uh, and, and even, you know, some of the older kitchens, believe it or not, with the old, um, uh, white sort of, uh, um, shaker style sense tends to kind of ring through as the time goes on. But, uh, I'd say mostly, you know, some of those old artifacts, we'll call them that, uh, either they restore or, or they keep and remain in the house. Mike, we talk about age, uh, and some some of us are doing that ourselves, and we talk about staying in our own homes as we enter these senior years. Uh, how do you help uh, change a home, keep it uh, still uh, appealing in terms of its aesthetics, but uh, helps people with their mobility challenges as they go along? Yeah, so we see a lot of that now, uh, opening up doorways. Um, for walkers and in wheelchairs, uh, those sorts of things we're seeing more and more all the time. Uh, we're starting to see adding bathrooms uh, on the main floor so that as folks age, they don't have to go upstairs as much or, or eventually maybe never have to go upstairs, you know, and by changing those, those things, uh, even lowering countertops and things like that, uh, we're starting to see more and more. Can you just walk through the, the process then? Do you sit down and do a design and then come back with um, the the estimates and so on. And, and what are some of the things you should look for in a rev renovation like this? And are there, do you build in for surprises? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's always a challenging uh, part of renovations, especially in the older homes. Uh, if, if I was to walk into a home in that was built in the 90s or uh, even in the 2000s now, you know, getting on to 20 years old, I can pretty much tell you what's behind that wall and, and with some, some pretty good accuracy with that. When I go into an older home, a century home, 1800s, early 1900s, basically everybody built the, how they wanted to build on that street, uh, depending on the builder. So there wasn't a lot of uh, instruction or uh, authority oversight with uh, building back then. So they could have uh, toilet stacks or wiring or, or plumbing anywhere in those walls. So it's really difficult to give a person a solid estimate in an older home. Uh, so we, we usually work on a, a contingency budget of, you know, 20% uh, possibly over what we estimate. Uh, and sometimes we open up the walls and there really is nothing there. So we come in fairly uh, reasonable, but we do tell those clients that, you know, it's possible that, that it could go up. Um, and really the design uh, aspect of it, is a little different than if you're looking at a new home build where, you know, you sit down and you say, well, this is where I'd like to have the, the bathrooms or these are the size of the rooms. 
when you're stuck in a century home, you know, the footprint is generally there. So the designs are not really, you know, revamping the entire area as much as it is, uh, you know, picking on individual rooms uh, one at a time. So for instance, if we're doing a kitchen, we're, we're typically in that space. Um, so we work, work more off of their budget and their dreams. Uh, and then we go into the design stage from there. Well, Mike, we want to thank you for taking time uh, to explain some of this to us this morning and so give us an idea of uh, some of the things we might do to make this castle uh, more of a warm home. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. Mike Hodgson's is the owner of Old Castle Renovations, an accredited business with the BBB with an A-plus rating. Would a home inspection reveal some surprises? Stay tuned to find out. And we're back. I'm Jim Swan with Monica Braz, who is the Director of Marketing and Strategic Initiatives with BBB Serving Western Ontario. We are all familiar with checkups for our health, our teeth, our vehicles, so it really should be something we consider for our home. Martin Getzelowski is the owner of First Class Home Inspections and joins us now to talk about why it might be something to consider. Welcome to Ask BBB. Hello, thank you for having me. So, Martin, other than during the buying and selling process, is there really an advantage to having a home inspection done? And how often should we maybe consider that? Yeah, uh, it's uh, a lot of what I do is uh, buyer's inspections for when people are purchasing a home. Or if someone is listing a home, I do a pre-listing home inspection. Uh, but I do get many calls for people who live in a house or just purchased their house, didn't have a home inspection. Uh, or who've lived there for a number of years and they have a chronic issue and not sure. Uh, so what I can do is uh, go in, uh, do either the full home evaluation or see if what the one issue or the chronic concern is uh, and um, help them lead them in the right direction with that. So what, what should a home inspection include then? What all do you look at? So the, the full home inspection uh, is pretty comprehensive head to toe of the house um, on a macro level, roof, attic, uh, furnace, AC, electrical, plumbing, structure. If there's a basement, check for moisture, see if it was finished properly. If there's a crawl space, go in the crawl space, check out the crawl space. Uh, look at the plumbing, uh, windows and doors for functionality. And uh, I've got a thermal imager. So we'll do a thermal scan and see if, uh, how well the, the basement and walls are insulated as well as the attic. Um, I'll discuss, um, you know, a lot of low hanging fruit with, uh, as far as insulating and um, easy, uh, you know, tips on uh, improving um, efficiency of your home. So Martin, one of the things that, um... I've been reading about and listening to a lot and, you know, maybe it's just because of the volume of people that live in the United States, but a lot of people are lately concerned about mold in their homes. And so they're thinking about doing an inspection for that. Is that something that you, you come across fairly often in our area or not really? Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll get a lot of, I'll get, I'll get some calls for people who have moisture in their basement or mold uh, or, or what, what looks like mold developing on their walls, whether a concrete block or a finished area. Uh, so there's the, the, the testing for mold, um, which is a little different than what I do. If there is mold, uh, there's usually moisture. So what I do is I'll check for moisture. And if we find moisture, 
then um, there, there's going to be a concern or, or an issue there. You mentioned uh, thermal and looking at things with uh, thermal instruments. What are some of the other tools and technology that you use in an inspection? Uh, so the, the, the thermal imager uh, helps uh, look at the, the, the finer details. Like when I look into an attic, I can only see so far. With uh, the thermal camera, I can do a scan of the attic uh, in the regions where I can't see, and it'll tell me if there's insulation or if there isn't. Um, oddly, the probably the most important tool I carry is my flashlight. Um, mm. Once you illuminate something, it'll definitely uh, show us a uh, different detail than what we're normally seeing from uh, just looking at it with uh, like the light in the basement or uh, things like that. I got a moisture meter also. So if there is a, uh, if we see something on the thermal camera, then uh, I can confirm that with the moisture meter. What about the uh, basement gases that they uh, talk about? Yeah, radon, uh, for sure a concern anywhere. That's something that isn't very uh, out there in the public uh, because it's, it's an invisible gas that comes in from uh, imperfections in, in the building envelope or imperfections in, in the concrete pad. So there are sensors that someone can uh, purchase. There are also uh, tests, like testing kits for people um, to test if there's radon. There's no rule of thumb uh, as far as if someone has uh, or someone suspects their radon. A lot of times uh, someone will get sick and then um, the, with consultation of the doctor, they'll go down the tree of, you know, have you smoked? Have you done this? Have you that? Have you checked for radon? And then usually people will find out they have radon when it's uh, further down the line. So Martin, it sounds like there's a lot of things that people can really think about and learn about their homes to make their homes as healthy as possible. Typically, we only really think about home inspections for real estate transactions. So how often would you say if somebody's lived in a home for 10 years or for 20 years, how often would you say it would be a good time to maybe just get an inspection done, see what's going on in the home? Uh, if, if they haven't had one, it's good to, to do at least one to get a, a baseline understanding of what's going on in their house and what the concerns are in their house. Well, one of the things you mentioned earlier was the energy efficiency of homes. And so any home that was built, say, uh, 20 or 30 years ago might not meet some of the uh, standards of today. So is this one of the things that you help people understand uh, with and, and do recommendations with the inspection? Yeah, for, for sure. Even from um, like uh, 15 years ago, for example, the attic insulation at the time, eight, nine inches was sufficient. Today, in brand new construction, they put close to 25 inches of insulation. Uh, so some people think, well, that's not really that big of a difference. But that's, uh, that offers a lot of thermal resistance and can definitely help out with efficiency, even in a newer house. Uh, usually around 1980 is when they started using uh, plastics, like a, a vapor barrier. Um, so before 1980, a, a lot of times the insulation is even, even less than that. And before 1950, uh, there's some homes that don't have any insulation at all. So what are some of the qualifications we should look for when we're selecting a company to do a home inspection, Martin? A good thing is uh, how long they've been in business. Uh, education is big. When I started, even though I was very familiar with homes, I felt like I needed to uh, get a, a good baseline, a general understanding of everything. So um, uh, one course I took was the Karsten Dunlop, uh, which is um, now, I believe, offered at the college level. It's a two-year course. 
uh, very comprehensive. So Martin, we're experiencing a really hot and competitive real estate market right now. Has this put extra demands on inspection or is there still time for inspections to be done? Yeah, so there's definitely been a shift. When I started, it was mostly, um, you know, you put in the offer, uh, you have condition of finance and inspection, and you have a few days to, to take care of that. Uh, in the last few years, uh, demand has increased so much that with the amount of time allotted for a viewing, uh, there wouldn't be enough time for a full inspection. Uh, but what a lot of guys been starting with were pre-offer consultations, uh, where it's not the full home inspection, uh, but you get a great idea on a macro level of the condition of a house. So the pre-offer consultation, little different from the full inspection, but still comprehensive enough so the, the, the client gets a great understanding of what they're buying. Well, Martin, we want to thank you for taking time out of what appears to be a busy schedule to join us here this morning on Ask BVB. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. First Class Home Inspection is an accredited business with the BBB with an A-plus rating. And we've been talking with the owner of the business, Martin Getoslavsky. Uh, learn more about the company by looking them up in the BBB directory. What do you expect when you make a charity donation? After the break, highlights from BBB's report on charity impact. Welcome back. I'm Jim Swan with Monica Braz, the Director of Marketing and Strategic Initiatives with BBB Serving Western Ontario. And on this final portion of this morning's program, we want to bring your attention to a report on charitable giving, recently released by the Better Business Bureau and available from the BBB.org website. The report looks at charity impact. So, so what's meant by charity impact? Well, Jim, nearly half of the people surveyed for this report were not sure actually what that meant. And so those who claimed to know also had a diverse array of definitions. So what are some of those definitions of charity impact? Well, impact can be measured in many different ways, and it's also influenced by what we personally think is valuable. Among Gen Zers, the definitions were organizations reaching defined goals. That was most popular at about 40%. Millennials were most likely to select how efficient the organization was in its spending. So 27% said that that was a priority for them. And 26% of mature ones said that they most frequently are looking for the quality of programs. So as we read through this report, we can compare our giving criteria with the results in the survey. Uh, I think whenever we make a donation, we want to know that it's going to make a difference in what seems like a very chaotic world these days. Yes, and that comes through in the report. People rated charity impact above charity trust and even financial ratios. Wow. So people want to give where they think their gift will make the biggest difference. Yes. And the report also reveals that donors want to see long-term results. They want to see a high-quality program. Those aspects of impact are more important than the volume of the program. So organizations that might serve a small number of people but show long-term effectiveness are preferred as charities that people want to support. In fact, among donors contributing more than $5,000 in 2020, 44% of them put long-term results as high importance as compared to 25% who rated immediate results as important. 
So this report is focused on charity impact, and it's just part of what's available on the BBB.org website when we're seeking information about charitable giving. Yes, the full report is available at give.org and is part of BBB's Wise Giving Alliance. BBB's Wise Giving Alliance is a standards-based charity evaluator that seeks to verify the trustworthiness of nationally soliciting charities by completing rigorous evaluations based on 20 holistic standards that address charity governance, results reporting, finance, fundraising, appeal accuracy, and other issues. National charity reports are produced by BBB's Give.org, and local charity reports are produced by local Better Business Bureaus. All the reports are available at Give.org. Well, that's a great resource for anybody who's planning on uh, doing their charitable giving, Monica. And that's all of our time for this edition of Ask BBB. You can contact us anytime on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at BBB Western ONT. And if you have a question or a guest suggestion, please reach out and tweet us at hashtag AskBBB. And thanks for listening this morning. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Monica Brass. Remember, Ask BBB. And start with trust. <laughs>